Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is, Show Me the Money. If you've seen or you remember the movie Jerry Maguire, there's a scene where Jerry gets fired from this what do you call him, a sports agent. And he gets fired from this firm and he's got one, his last client on the phone. This guy's about to back off on him and this guy's in his house, Jerry's on the phone. And the guy in his house says, Jerry, I want you to hear our family motto, okay? And it's this athlete at home with his wife and brother in the house and they got the music playing and they're rocking to the music, doing their thing. And he turns the radio down and he says, Jerry, here's our motto, show me the money. And he says on the phone to Jerry, Jerry, say it. And he says, show me the money. He just speaks it. And he says, no, Jerry, I want to hear you say it. You know, he's trying to work him. The music goes up. It's show. And Jerry begins to scream, show me the money. He's in his office screaming, show me that. Now, this is this guy's family motto, show me the money. Get me some money. And now Jerry is doing whatever it takes, screaming and hollering, to say to him, I'll get you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Get whatever you need to show you the money. Okay? Just keep me as your client. Now, there are a lot of people in the world, guys, if you got right down to it, their life motto is show me the money. Everything that they do, everything they are, it's climbing a ladder, it's buying stuff. In fact, in this neighborhood downtown, if you talk to the leasing agents, there are people who live in this neighborhood. It's high dollar rent down here. And there are people who drive fancy cars that are leased, live in empty apartments because they can't afford to fill them, got credit cards maxed to the gills. And they are trying to prop it up and look like somebody showed them some money. And they may make good money, but they stretch it. They stretch it. And it seems like, I've talked to people, it seems that no matter, you can meet somebody who makes 30 grand a year and they're still broke. But you can meet somebody who makes 150 grand a year and they're just as broke. They just add more zeros to their brokenness. (laughs) What if I told you this? What if I told you that an individual here in town that knows what we're doing has written a check for $10 million dollars and donated to this church, and we really don't need your money. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about today. Why would you give anyway? If somebody had underwritten and said, whatever it takes, whatever you need, however much money it takes, blank check, you've got all the money you'll ever need. If I said that and it were true, why would you still need to give? It's not, guys, that God needs your money. Why does a God who owns everything need money? He doesn't need money. You know what? We need to give. And today I'm going to talk to you about some things, so don't tune me out. You say, I don't want to talk about it. You know why people don't want to talk about money? Because it is one of the most sensitive things, and it's what we hold on to till the last second. Because it, and I'll get you plenty of verses. In fact, go ahead and turn to Malachi. Now, Malachi is not a stone. It's a guy in the Bible. Go to Matthew and go left. If you know where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is, go Matthew, and the first book to your left is Malachi. Now, again, I'm just reading the mail here, guys. I didn't write this stuff. So if anybody takes issue with it, I'll be glad to show you where I found it. But it's all. I'm going to give you plenty of verses. And I'm asking you to do yourself a favor. Don't tune this one out because we're not raising money to buy something. This stuff, and the reason I have waited a year and I have not said boo about money, but it is not fair to you 
if I don't talk about these things. Because you know what? If you don't know this stuff's in here and you don't get the principles and you don't know how it works, then you'll live wondering, why am I broke? Why does my life never work? Why is it why I'm always upside down and I don't know what's wrong? There are principles in here that can literally change your life. And I will say this. The Bible says that the preaching of the gospel is foolishness. This is part of the foolishness. The Bible says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. To thank God for everything, guys, is crazy, because not everything that happens to you is good. I will never talk you into becoming a Christian. You know why? Because it is the wildest story anybody has ever heard. You will never talk anybody into believing this story. That the God of the universe realized we were all screwed up, we had sinned, sent His own Son, came Himself in a man... He lives a perfect life, dies on a cross, is buried because he shed his blood, is buried and raised from the dead. You know what? You can live forever and have an awesome life between here and heaven. That's the craziest thing you've ever heard in your life. You will never talk anybody into believing that unless the God of the universe gives them the faith to say, you know what? That's what I've been missing all my life. The Bible itself says the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, who don't get it. But to those who believe, it is the power of God and the salvation. And I've sat in this room, I've sat with many people in this room and explained this story. You know what? A light goes on, something happens in their head and their heart, and they say, you know what? For the first time in my life, I understand and I believe that God loves me, that He died for me, that He was buried and raised from the dead for me. And they receive this gift of eternal life. You will never outgive God. You can't outgive God. He has given Himself. There's nothing you can do to outgive Him. All right, with that as a basis and a premise, this giving thing, guys, is foolishness. And frankly, you can try it in the flesh or your own will to try to do it, but you'll quit. You will not do this apart from God. All right, let's start in Malachi, chapter 3, verse 7. Malachi, chapter 3, verse 7, and it starts with this. Even from the days of your fathers you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? And it's like, well, where do we go? We don't think we've done anything wrong. And God's saying, come back. Come back to the original stuff, the basic stuff you're supposed to be doing in this relationship with me. Now listen to the language here in verse 8. Will a man rob God? And before I even go any further, let me ask you a question. Well, not a question. I'll make the statement. I'll say, how many of you pay taxes? That could be incriminating. But you know, we live in a country where the government, in some cases, takes up to 30%, in some cases even more than that, right? What, are we crazy? Why don't you go start your own business at a washeteria or vending game, something with a cash deal? Don't report it. Keep your money. What are you giving 30% of your money to the United States government for? You know, this could be a dangerous tape if somebody just took that piece. <laughs> Why would you give your money to the government? Number one, it's the law, right? It's the right thing to do. There are consequences if you don't. But even better than the consequences if you don't, there are benefits if you do, right? Now, I've lived in Brazil, guys. I've lived in foreign countries. And I'm going to tell you something. When I get off the plane after living in another place and hit this place, you will not hear me complaining about taxes because I have seen the benefits and experienced the lack thereof somewhere else. Okay? We do things. Now, don't raise your hand on this one. An amazing thing happens to everybody's income every week. You know what it is? Before you ever touch your money, somebody bounces a draft out of your account probably for what? Insurance. Why do you let somebody take two, three, four hundred dollars, whatever it is, however many kids you've got, for insurance? You never even get to see the money. It's gone. Why? You want it gone. What? There are benefits to it being gone. 
You have health insurance. And if something happens to you, you're covered. Another one, retirement. Now, this one I don't get. Why would you put three, four, five hundred dollars aside for 50 years down the road? You may not even live that long. Keep your money and spend it. But what do we do? We set money aside for what? The future, for somewhere down the line, for somewhere else. I'm trying to give you some examples of things you're doing already. You're cutting out percentages of your income and giving it to the government. You're giving it to insurance companies. You're giving it to retirement funds, planning for the future with faith that you're going to live to experience it and to benefit from it. Now look what God says here. Will a man rob God? Is it even conceivable that someone would rob God? Yet you have robbed me, he says, but you say, well, where in it? What? How, could, how have we robbed you? And here's his answer in tithes and in offerings. Now let me just try to say this as simply as possible. I have people say to me, Richard, this is Old Testament. I'm not supposed to tithe. There is a passage, and I'll get to this in a minute, where it says that Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. A tithe is 10% of your income. And I have people say, well, you mean on the gross or the net? <laughs> let me tell you something, babe. If you're having trouble deciding on the gross and the net, you're having trouble with it, period. Try the gross. And see if you can outgive him. All right? 10%. Now, where did this thing come from? When God's people would go into battle, they would come back from battle. They would take everything the enemy had. Well, when they'd come back, they came and made an offering of 10 They didn't have to give it all to God. 10%. One case. The other case was like a farmer. Let's say you raise corn or wheat or something. They would take all this wheat out of the field. You know where they'd go first? To the temple, to God. And if they had a hundred wagon loads of corn, you know what happened? Ten of them would get dropped off, and then they'd go live on the rest. It was just understood. Now, something happens here that is going to mess your life up if you don't get, if you don't do this, guys. Now, please listen. And I'm going to tell you something not to be, don't think this is odd, but from the day this church started, my wife and I, we have tried to be one of the top givers in this church. And you say, but you work here. You know what? You're not stealing my benefit and my joy of giving just because I work here. Because I know that if I rob what is God's, He's going to get my attention. You say, well, God's not like that. Let me tell you something. God knows what it takes to keep your life in order. And money is one of the trickiest things we got going. And there's something about you making a decision. You say, okay, God, I make X amount of money a year. I'm telling you right up front, this money does weird things to me. I spend it on weird stuff. I do stupid things with it. So we're going to make a decision that the first 10 is yours. Now think with me. If you make that decision, you know what's going to happen with the rest of your money? You're going to ask God about it because you're acknowledging it's not yours anyway. It's his. You know why we get in trouble with money? Because we spend it like it's our own. And we don't ask God what to do with it. We get a whim. We just say, well, I think I'm going to go buy a new car. We go buy a new car. And we drive two blocks away from that dealership and feel awful. Just feel miserable about this whole deal. Right? You ever felt that way? You know, oh, I'm going to get excited and have a new car. And then you drove away and nothing. The joy was gone. Slow down. Stop and say, God, this is not my money. It's yours. I can't even keep myself alive. If I'm not alive, I can't work. If I can't work, I can't make a living. I can't do anything. So, God, I'm bringing you who I am and what I am and what I have. Now, some people say to me this, Richard, I can't afford to tithe. Let me tell you something. You can't afford not to tithe. I know this is pretty cut to the chase. And again, I'm not raising money, guys. I'm trying to change your life. Boy, I wish I had a head cam. You know, this would be the head cam day. I'm getting lots of funny stares today. Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse. 
for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And the only place in the Bible where it says this, I'm going to read it out of verse 10. He says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. Now let me tell you something. God says here, and you may have the word test. God says, test me. You do the right thing and test me. Now, I can't because it's too personal. But guys, I'm going to tell you, over the last year, God has been so faithful in my house. And I have seen things happen that were absolutely miraculous. I have seen money for needs and stuff come out of You would not even believe if I tried to explain to you. And what happens is where God blesses you with a certain amount of money, you know what happens? Then you try to give him out of that. You try to outgive him. It's such an addicting thing. It's self-propelling. You say, but I can't afford to. Then stop somewhere. Stop robbing God and really robbing yourself and trust him enough to start doing it. You say, what does this have to do with God? What does this have to do with church? Everything. Because the book says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. It doesn't say where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. It says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. No matter where your heart is, your treasure still ends up somewhere. I'll tell you, and I've had people say this to me, give me your checkbook. I can go through the room and say, give me your checkbook. I'll tell you where your treasure is. I can tell you just like that, looking through somebody's checkbook. The things we spend money on. Now, people say, well, then you're going to get up and say that nobody can be rich. Guys, some of the godliest people I know are some of the richest people. Job, Abraham. I mean, you can go down the list in the Bible. Solomon, one of the richest guys that ever lived. There are people that are blessed, but you know what? It wasn't about me. God is looking for people who are faithful with his money that he can funnel his money through. It isn't about getting rich and absorbing all this. He's saying, you know what? I might bless you or so-and-so, but if you're not going to do the right thing with it, I can't trust you with it. Now, I wish. It's one of those deals you just can't do it. I know people in this room, if I said stand up and say what an awesome thing this is, could do it. And the stories would go on and on and on about how God is faithful. God says here in Malachi, test me, try me, prove me, see if I'm not wrong. But look what he says in regard to this. Prove me, test me, what? Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That's the promise. God says, you know what? You've been robbing from me. But on the other hand, I'm going to give you a chance. Just try me. Do the right thing, test me, prove me, and see if absolutely the windows of heaven don't open up and I don't pour out a blessing that you don't even have barns or houses or anything to keep it. Now, is your motivation to test God to get rich? No. Your motivation is to do the right thing. You obey God because you love Him. You trust Him. You know that if you do it His way, things are going to work. Now, I'm going to make a prediction. There are people in this room and there are people in this town and on this planet who make lots of money and they'll die rich. But you know what? You'll never have joy. You'll never have peace. You'll never experience the love of God, for God, from God, for anybody else like you will if you do the right thing in this area. You say, well, I don't agree. Then I say the same thing I always do. If what you're doing is working, knock yourself out. If your way to God's getting you there and you don't believe this Jesus thing, you just keep doing what you're doing. I hope it works. But it ain't what the book says. And there's stuff in here that I would be robbing you of information See, I haven't gotten up here today and said anything about any need we have. You know why? Because God's taking care of this church. And God either will use you or somebody else to do whatever he wants to get done. The tragedy is that you may miss out on being a part of the answer and your piece of it and how it affects your home and your life. All right. He says he's going to pour out a blessing, open the windows of heaven. Then look at the next verse, 11. 
and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. You know what he said? I'll make your business prosper. Is that some kind of guarantee? Testing. Let's try it and see what happens. But God, if I give you this, how am I going to pay my bills? You know, it's a funny thing to me how that we're worried about our insurance and our retirement. And you can list all these things that God gets, and you're so worried you're not going to pay, but we'll rob it from God. Now, I haven't done it here because I don't have it set up, but for a few years where I was at a church before, I got a deal where I said, look, I don't even want it. You take it out like you take my insurance. I don't even want to see it. You know what happens to you? You live on what you get. You know what happens to you? God takes care of you. Because you manage what He gives you, not what you've taken from Him. So you let God take His. You let the insurance company get theirs. The retirement people get theirs. And you say, God, this is what i got to live on, so we're going to have to manage this. Give me wisdom to know what to do with it. And I promise you guys, you will end up with more money than you can ever imagine if you'll do the right thing with His money. Because you're listening, you're paying attention, you're watching, saying, God, show me the money. The way to manage this money. All right, flip over. We've got a few more verses if you're writing these down, you want to go look them up, Matthew 6, 19-24. It says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. That passage deals with that. Matthew 20, 35, you may have heard this somewhere, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's in the Bible, that's where it says it. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Look over at Mark 12, 41. This is a great story. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Now, this is amazing. Jesus, the God of the universe, at the treasury. He's watching at the temple where money comes and is deposited. And he sits opposite the treasury, how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants, like a couple of pennies. She's so poor. And these things had a funnel. They were made out of metal, had funnels. So if you came by and you were rich and you chunked your gold in, man, it'd make all kind of racket. And these rich guys would come in and make sure everybody's looking. You know, if you go read about this in Matthew 6, I think it is, where he says, when you give your alms, don't be like the hypocrites who come in and blow a horn, and here I come, and, you know, they want to, you know, I don't even want to get into it. Anyhow, give anonymously. That's all I'm going to say. These rich people would come in and throw bags of money in it, clang, oh, they've given so much money. Well, this little widow comes through with two mites, chunks hers in, and look what Jesus has to say about it. So he called his disciples to him and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. How did she outgive the rich people who gave, could have bought her 50 times over? For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Now I've been in church stuff for a long time. Let me tell you, just make an observation. I don't look to the rich people to take care of a church. And you need to know this about me and about this place. Somebody comes in here, they got money, great. They come in, they're poor, great. You know what? We're just people. And I ain't kissing up to nobody. God gets it done with simple, humble, consistent people. Somebody comes in here waving a check, saying, I'll do that. Say, you know what? You can put yours in the plate like everybody else. This isn't a popularity contest. This place can't be bought because we don't own it. He does. And 40000 to somebody, guys, is nothing compared to two mites for somebody who ain't got it. And Jesus made a point here. It wasn't how much they gave. It was that she gave everything. She was giving, trying to outgive God. You know what? He takes care of you. He just takes care of you. She wasn't making a show. She didn't have anything to make any noise with. For they put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. 
You are dealing with a God who laid it all on the line, and sooner or later it will cause you to do the same. Do you know why she gave everything? Because she loved God and He was all she had, and it made her do something extravagant. And you cannot outgive God. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. You love with your heart. Now, I'm trying, guys, not to get this off of an economic. All you're hearing is money. Jesus talked about money more than you even want to know. He talked about money more than about anything because people have such a major problem with it. In a city like this, in a country we live in, money is huge. And it gets us in all kind of problems. All right, there's the widow. If you're writing these down, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, He'll take it any way you give it, but He loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when you're cheerful about it, when you say, Father, if I could put me in the plate. My dad tells a story about a kid in a church. The plate went down the aisle, and the kid took it and put it on the ground and stepped in it because he didn't have anything to give. He said, I give me. That's what we really ought to want to do, and that's what we're doing anyway. We give us. We say, God, if you kill me, I can't live for you. So, God, here's a piece of me. It's a piece of what I make. It's yours anyway. Get the 10% out of the way. Then go to work on the offering side. He said, oh, my gosh, man, I'm just now dealing with the 10% thing. There's an offering thing. You buy a ring, you ever take her roses? Man, you spend all that money on a ring. What the heck are you taking roses for? She knows she loves her by now. She's wearing it around. But then something happens to you. A ring's not enough. And there's little wedding gifts and roses and cards and things. You know why? Because when you love somebody, it makes you do stuff. And you hear of a need like a single mom with a baby and you find yourself right. And, you, and I'm not saying do it. to You're not doing it to impress anybody. Do it anonymously. Nobody knows but God. And God who sees in secret rewards you openly, Matthew 6 said. And you say, I don't believe it. You know what? I can't make you believe it. But God says, test me. Try me. See if it works. All right, a cheerful giver. Read this sometime. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Talks about not trying to get rich. You do the right thing and God wants you to get rich, you can't help but get rich. But you're not going to be rich for the wrong reasons. You'll do the right thing with it. All right. I'd almost say are there any questions, but I doubt we'd get any questions today. Don't do me a favor. You know what? I'm fine. And there are things that we could do as a church that we're not doing right now, but you know what? I'm still fine. Because the exciting thing to me, I'd rather have a church full of cheerful givers any day than a bunch of people who get browbeat. Give, 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 give. You know what? If you know God, you will give. It'll come out of your relationship, not out of somebody hitting you hard. And that's how I want you to give. That's what I want you to hear. That's what I want you to learn. And there are no plans to go buy a big expensive piece of property and buy a big building, build some monstrosity, whatever, to say, look how great we are. My heart and the vision of this church is to put what we get into people because that's going to last forever. we got to meet somewhere, if it's a school or downtown, a theater, wherever it is, we'll find a place to meet. But let's take our resources and put them into people's lives. Let's change people's lives with the gospel. That I can give to. I get excited about that. I have a hard time with million-dollar pipe organs with plaques on them. You know what? They're going to burn up. They're beautiful. It's awesome. I'm not knocking it. But guys, when we find ourselves trying to prop buildings up more than we do trying to help people out, we're in trouble. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. 
Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Now, I know this is tough. I know this may be a little sensitive, but I'm just as gently as I can today saying, you know what, give it a whirl. Sit down with your checkbook this week and say, God, I'm going to try you. I'm going to test you. I can't tell the stories because I'm seeing people out there. I know people who have tried this stuff and literally money they didn't even know existed would show up out of a will or an ant would die and just bizarre stuff happen. You say, well, then we're all going to get rich. No, but I'm telling you, God will take care of you. And it is the most awesome thing to experience. And you can't outgive him. Guys, I'm telling you, he's a God of details and it's for real. It's for real. And it's the most, I cannot even begin. And you say, but I can't. You know what? You can't. So you say, God, I can't. I just can't. You're going to have to help me. I am begging you, not for my sake, but for your sake, do the right thing. It will literally change your life. I'm not just talking about this, guys. I've experienced it. And you're dealing with a God who has given you everything, his own life. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talks sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.